Chapter 27 of The Day's Journey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sabrina Jazz Ainsworth. The Day's Journey by Netta Surrett. Chapter 27. It was after dusk the following evening when Robert drove across town from Liverpool Street. He had telegraphed to one of the servants, who had lived with them since their marriage, that he should return that evening and as he neared the desolate home he pictured, he was thinking drearily that some settlement of the situation was inevitable. He had no hope of Cecily. Rose had said so little that he had returned from his visit to her more despondent than ever. She must be in Cecily's confidence. She knew Cecily's attitude, and she had said nothing, given him no comfort. The outlook was inexpressibly dreary. He longed for Cecily. She was never out of his thoughts. She haunted his dreams, his terrible, mocking dreams— in these nightly visions, he saw her over and over again, in the garden at the Priory, walking bareheaded under the trees, smiling as she ran towards him, or he turned to find her at the door, her eyes full of laughter, her arms outstretched to him, always the radiant, happy Cecily of their early married life. And then the waking, the heart-breaking return to reality, his shame, his bitter, useless self-reproach. Fool, fool that he had been! He writhed to recall his infatuation and all that it implied— he thought of it incessantly. He did no work. He scarcely slept. He suffered as a highly strung nature always suffers, keenly, extravagantly, to the serious danger of his health and sanity. When she saw him at her country home, Rose had felt the poetic justice was satisfied. Robert, in her opinion, and she was no lenient judge, had borne enough. He opened the door of the flat with his latchkey, and Smithers, the parlour-maid, came running down the hall. There was suppressed excitement in her demeanour, but he scarcely noticed it, as he bade her good evening and put his wraps down on the table. There were flowers in the hall. He noticed them, and thought of Cecily. She always suggested flowers. She had a way of filling every pot and pan in the house with them. He was passing the door of her bedroom. It was ajar, and there was a light within, flickering firelight. He wondered why. Wondered with a pang at his heart. It was cruel to light a fire in there. It made it seem so much as though Cecily— Robin! He started violently and felt the colour die out of his face. His name was repeated, the little name that Cecily had not used for years. He pushed open the door. His wife sat by the fire, looking back over her shoulder. She was in a tea-gown of soft silk, which fell away from her arms. As he stood on the threshold, she rose, smiling, as he had often dreamt he saw her, and held her hands out to him. Somehow he stumbled to her, and fell on his knees at her feet. She bent down to him and stroked his hair, "'Robin, dear,' she said gently, as a mother speaks to her child. "'Oh, Robin, what a thin little boy!' He began to sob convulsively like a child, and she put her arms around him and held him in silence. Presently he began to speak, pouring out his love and longing for her in the old, voluble, vehement fashion, accusing himself, praying for forgiveness. She sighed a little as she soothed him. "'But it is all right, darling, isn't it?' he said anxiously at last. "'Really all right, I mean.' "'Yes, Robin, we're going to understand each other in future. "'And you do forgive me, sis, for everything?' "'Yes, dear, hush. Don't let us talk about it. "'And you love me,' he urged with the persistence of a child. "'She hesitated, almost imperceptibly, before she assented. "'As you used to?' he asked breathlessly. "'In the old way, just the same?' "'She looked at him with troubled eyes. "'Robin, shall we begin by not asking each other too many questions?' The arms he had clasped round her dropped slowly. "'Then you don't!' There was inexpressible disappointment in his tone. 
We can't set the clock back, said Cecily at last, slowly. I am a different person now. He put his head onto her knee. I want the old Cecily, he cried. Cecily's eyes filled with tears. When he raised his head, he saw them. You mean, I might have kept her? Do you mean that, sis? She made a movement of distress. Oh, Robert, don't. Let us leave it. We can't wake the past. It is dead. Let us think of the future. But it's the past that makes the future, said Robert drearily. Yes, she admitted in sad agreement. There was a silence. Cecily looked at the fire with eyes that he watched hungrily. Sis, he implored presently, say what you're thinking. Don't keep me outside your thoughts. Why must things always be different? She looked at him wonderingly. Why? Was it impossible for him to realise all that the years had done? She thought of the girl who had married him, and contrasted her with the woman who sat here now, by the fire, gently stroking the head against her knee. She could either have laughed or cried aloud. Because I'm different, was all she said. I've learned things, and one can't do away with knowledge. Why, what have you learned? For one thing, what most men mean by love. You don't doubt I love you, sis, he begged despairingly. She hesitated. It's so difficult to say anything that won't make you think I'm really bitter and resentful in my heart, she began. And you see, Robin, I'm not. If I were, you would have a better chance of... of what you want me to feel. I didn't want to discuss this, but you make me. It's better, he returned in a dull voice. I would rather. Let us at least be honest with each other. She began to speak after a moment, hesitating a little, and feeling for the words. You see, Robin, when I was lonely and sad, and you saw me every day... I bored you. For nearly two years now, you have seen very little of me. I... They say I've got pretty again, and people... Men like me, and pay me attention and all that. And now you are in love with me again. Oh, yes, as he made a hurt, protesting sound. I'm very willing to believe it's more than just that. But it's difficult to forget. The other, isn't it? He bowed his head. I suppose I ought to have managed better, she went on musingly. But... In the old days, when we were married, I never looked upon you as a man to be managed like the rest. It would have seemed to me like insulting you, an insult to the love I thought you had for me. Yes, said Robert humbly. I know. I've laid myself open to that reproach. She patted his hand softly. Marriage is a very difficult game to play, isn't it? She went on. And do you know, Robin, I've come to the conclusion that to play it successfully, the woman at least ought not to be in love. Then she can manage. Then she can play skilfully and find her success amusing, but suggest her methods to a girl in love and she thinks them degrading. She smiled sadly. Love is a horrid little god to woman, Robin. He first robs her of her best weapon, her sense of humour, and then, as the only method of restoring it to her, flies out of the window. Oh, sis, he sighed. I've given you reason enough, but I don't offer it as an excuse. But do you know, I wonder how difficult it is for a man to be what is called faithful she asked. Yes, I think I do. And if that were all, Robin, it isn't exactly that which shakes a woman's trust to the depths and changes the world for her. It's what goes with it. The loss of all the other things at the same time, her husband's consideration, his tenderness, his friendship, that these should go too when he's out of love, is what most women find so hard to bear, so incomprehensible. You see, since I've been able to think dispassionately, I've tried to make it my case. Men say, women are so different. It's a convenient phrase, but it isn't true. You'd be surprised to find how many women are remarkably like men in every way. I'm one of them. She paused. 
all at once she lived over again a moment in the fierce Roman sunshine. I can imagine myself tempted as you were tempted, she added quietly. Tell me, what would you have done? asked Robert in a low voice. I think, she said rather huskily, I should have remembered the great love we had when we were married, and all the dear little everyday things afterwards. I should have remembered that, at the bottom of my heart, you were more to me, just because of those little home things, than any other human being. I should— Her voice sank lower. I should have remembered our child. Ah, oh, she drew in her breath sharply. But that's different for me. I was her mother. Robert laid his cheek against her head. Anyhow, she went on presently, more calmly, I would have fought with myself. I should have been so afraid that new love would pass, and that then— when it was gone, I might find I'd lost my first real treasure. But men never seem to think of that. Perhaps they are greater gamblers than women, I don't know. She shook her head quietly, her eyes looking far away. Cecily, he implored, don't say I've lost it. Oh, Cecily, love me again. Her eyes, full of tears, met his. You ask for something that's gone, she said miserably. Dead roses are always dead roses. Not all our tears will make them fresh again. There was a long silence. Presently, he rose and began to walk up and down the room. "'Why did you come back?' he asked at last, sharp pain in his voice. She got up and went to him. "'I thought you wanted me.' "'Not if you no longer care.' His lips trembled. She put both hands on his arm and drew him to her. "'Robin, dear,' she whispered, "'listen, there are different sorts of love. It's true, I can't deny it, that I don't feel in the old way, in the way I did when—when when we first married.' But all the same, you are more to me than any man in the world. Your troubles are my troubles. I hate you to be unhappy. When Rose told me how ill you looked, I wanted to fly all the way home to look after you. She thought suddenly of the letter she had read in the hotel bedroom, and was thankful to feel that she was speaking truth. All that part of my love has never failed. Do you know, Robin, when one has loved very much, I believe one spins a sort of web, made up of a thousand, thousand threads, binding them to the loved person. They are very slight, but very strong. We can't break them. I can't break the threads I spun around you. I have tried, but I can't. Oh, Robin, don't say I oughtn't to have come back. He laid his head on her breast with a touchingly helpless gesture. If you hadn't come back, I should have died, he said. I don't deserve anything, Cecily. But, oh, my dear, give me as much as you can. End of chapter 27 Recording by Sabrina Jazz Ainsworth. End of the day's journey by Netta Siret.